As a devout Muslim, I chose to be in the Revolutionary Army, the most religious part of it. I reunited my spirit with the spirit of martyrdom, the biggest and the most important and the most noble doctrine in Islam, which is jihad. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There was no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Now, we've been talking about what it's like for a jihadist from Iran to convert to Christianity. As we know, with Sharia law, which is the main law system in many Muslim countries, such as Iran, it is illegal for a Muslim to convert to Christianity and is punishable by death. However, there are many who take that route despite the risk of losing their lives. In our last show, Mohammed Faridi was sharing with us how he was born in Tehran, Iran, and he was a Muslim that spoke Farsi, and he was forced to learn Arabic in order to speak the language of the Muslim deity Allah, like they believe that he had to learn Arabic because that's all Allah spoke. Now, he told us he was struggling because he always felt like he was a sinner and he was very afraid of Allah sending him to hell. He understood that the way to paradise was to have his good deeds outweigh his bad deeds. And he felt so much fear about his sin, he would beat his body in order to rid himself of his sins in his life. Now, today he's going to talk about how he became a jihadist by joining the Iranian Revolutionary Army. And Mohammed is going to tell us some crazy stuff. So, Mohammed, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Mohammed, I am so glad to have you with us. I mean, I've learned so much. And I'm excited to hear your experience as a jihadist. Now, in our last show, you were saying that you were engaging in self-beatings in order to sanctify yourself, and it wasn't working. And you were diving deeper into a feeling of being so stuck. Tell us more about that feeling. Well, I was stuck. The more I tried to help myself to get out of this pit, the more I tried to be a better Muslim, to be righteous, it was like things were just getting worse. The more I become a Muslim, the more I devote myself and dedicated myself to Islam, the more I was fading away and withering away to the point that I became suicidal. I contemplated on it and I tried to cut my veins with a knife. I tried it a few times to see how is it going to happen, how is it going to be. But the thing is that I was afraid. This fear would not leave me alone. I said, I'm living in this hell. And I thought to myself, if I kill myself, I may have escaped. But if as a Muslim, you commit suicide, you end up in hell. So it was no way out. I had no joy. I had no happiness. I had no hope in this life as a Muslim. And if I would have killed myself here, I would end up forever, eternity in hell. That was my dilemma. That was where I was stuck as a Muslim. Wow. So when did you become a jihadist and what was that like? So after you finish high school, there's two options. You are in university, and then you do your military service, or you do your military service, and then you do your education. Mm-hmm. Mine was, I'm going to do my mandatory service. And as a devout Muslim, I chose to be in the Revolutionary Army. There are four branches in Iran that you can be a part and serve. I chose the most religious part of it. Mm-hmm. And being a soldier and being trained, 
I joined another movement called On the Path of Light. Within the Revolutionary Army of Iran, there's a movement called On the Path of Light. They take you to the war zone between the two countries of Iran and Iraq. During 1980s, Iran and Iraq fought a very bloody war. Sunni were killing Shia and Shias killing Sunni Muslim and they believe that they're going to paradise. Mm -hmm. My uncle and two of my cousins actually became martyrs in that particular war. So they became the idol of the family. Mm -hmm. So we were elevated in the community we lived in. We were family of martyrs. So during this movement on the path of light, they took us to that area. And the same rituals of self-beating and self-punishment and mourning and having this martyrs for Islam... Because they're martyrs, they can be interceders. They can be mediators between you and Allah. So we were pleading our cases to these martyrs that they become somebody in the day of judgment, then Allah will have a favor on us. So hmm. they took us there. I reunited my spirit with the spirit of martyrdom. And to prepare us spiritually and mentally for jihad, for martyrdom, they put us in empty tombs during the night. Oh. And that's how we actually fought the fear of death. That's how I was prepared for the biggest and the most important and the most noble doctrine in Islam, which is jihad. Right. And jihad is a struggle or actual fight against enemies of Islam. But what is crazy is what is happening with placing you in these tombs. I mean, was that scary to be placed in those dark tombs? So think with me, we're in the desert. It is dark. It's pitch dark. You cannot see two feet from yourself. Mm. It is as dark and is as quiet, as silent as it could be. And then they would put us in there and then they leave. And somebody would recite the Quran. You're as close as death as you could ever get in this life mm. and not die. It is frightening, but that's how you are prepared. Wow, that is crazy. So you're preparing for jihad against groups like America and Israel. Why was that? Well, the belief is that Jews and the Christians, America is the great Satan and Israel is the small Satan, which is protected by the great Satan. They're the number one enemy of Islam and all of the blame of all the problems and corruptions that are going on on the governments in Islamic countries, all of the immoralities. We blame first the Jews uh -huh. and then the Christians, the pork eaters. Uh -huh. So they are our enemies and our goal, our dream is to fight them annihilate and destroy Israel first and then ultimately America. Oh my gosh. So you were psyched to become a martyr, but that chance I understand never came. So that was a frustration for you at the time, since your number one goal was to die as a martyr in order to guarantee your entrance into heaven. Well, after I finished my military service, I'm 22 years old and my dream, my goal is that hopefully a war would break between Iran and Israel or Iran and America or a Western country that I can join that war and die an honorable death. And this is not happening. So I start saying this government is not a brave government. They're not giving us the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So as this war is being delayed and I cannot join any war, I'm still dealing with this, that what is going to happen if never a war breaks, if never I get the opportunity, then I'm just going to die a death of a normal Muslim that the future is unknown. So it seemed that that year after the revolution, it was a long year of disappointment for me. And that's when I tried to kill myself and commit suicide. Wow. I was trying to figure all out and numb my pain. So every evening I would go to mosque and try to marinate myself in the Islamic doctrine to just quiet and silence my depression. Mm. 
Wow, that is so sad that you wanted to kill yourself because of the pain and depression mounting up in your life. Let's stop there. I want to talk more about your experience as a former jihadist. Thanks so much for being with us. Of course. Hang on. The show isn't done yet. I have some good things to share with you right after the break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict and he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right and he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe $10, some of you $25, maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. We can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to AwakeningTheNations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? What really stood out to me is that Muhammad was really struggling in his mind on how to get to heaven. And the stress from all of that was really getting to him. So he wanted to be a jihadist to increase his chances of going to heaven. Hmm. Because of what he was learning in the Muslim faith, like they taught that. Now, I think that this thought of having like this scale weighing one's good deeds versus bad deeds is not just an Islamic way of thinking. I know many people who believe that they're like good people and that good people get to heaven and bad people don't. And they believe that if their own good outweighs the bad, then they will get into heaven. But is this true? Think about it. If a criminal does a lot of good things and then breaks the law and murders someone, does he in the end just get set free because he was a good person? <laughs> of course not. In reality, no. He will be punished for the crime that he committed. What makes us think that somehow our sins will just be covered up if we do a lot of good works? According to ancient scriptures, sin equals only one thing. It is written in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's take a look at this, the first part. Sin is always going to lead to death. There's always a penalty. It's just logical sense. A spiritual death, it is. A place of torment. So then how does one resolve the fact that we all have sin to deal with? We all have done wrong. It is written in Romans 3, 23 through 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to say that again. But listen, we've all done wrong. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a lay person, the Pope, or a pastor. We have all sinned and there is a due penalty for that sin. But as you can see in ancient scriptures, that there's an answer. I'm going to go on to read that verse. It says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Think about this here. It says that Jesus' blood was a propitiation, which means 
Jesus' blood appeased the wrath of God that was directly aimed at your sin and my sin, our mistakes, because there is a cost to sin. Jesus' blood appeased it. It paid the price, guys. So we can be guaranteed pathway to eternal life. It's a gift to be received, not something that we have to try to earn. There's nothing we can do to increase our chances. Now, to me, it's so sad that Muhammad thought he had to die for his Muslim faith to have that guarantee, how tormenting. But in Christianity, we can have that guarantee by simply accepting the gift that Jesus gave us, his propitiation. If that's you and you're trying to make your good deeds that way your bad deeds, this is a time to stop running on that hamster wheel. It's not going anywhere. It's time to just receive your guarantee and walk into a relationship with your creator. Father God, I'm praying for the person who's saying, I hope I'm a good enough person to get into heaven. Lord Jesus, right now we realize we're not good enough, but Jesus, you are. So we receive your propitiation. We receive that gift so that we can have a guaranteed entrance into heaven in Jesus' name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to awakeningthenations.com and click guest audition on the top menu. See you next time.